And hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show covering all the latest and greatest in the world of PlayStation. And if you're watching the video version, yes, I am, in fact, not in my office at home. I am not wearing PJs. I had to get properly dressed up today. I am actually recording live from Herman Hulse's office. I infiltrated. He actually has beyond uh, adornments on the wall. It's quite beautiful. No, we're actually in the IGN studio today. I am I am recording outside of the IGN offices, uh, so don't be alarmed. That's where I am, uh, and I'll be here for, for future weeks. But uh, bef- before we get into all of that stuff, if you're listening to the audio version, show should be the same for you. Don't worry too much about it. It's just me sitting in a very blue room is what you get. Uh, but other than that, I am joined this week by Jada Griffin. Jada, hello. Hello, hello. And, uh, you know, don't believe what your eyes see, everybody. Uh, this is just a blue screen. It's uh, it's some uh, magic. Uh, Jonathan, uh, I heard, uh, I got some uh, looks into his financials. He spent a lot of money getting ILM to build this, this studio. He's actually not even there. He's actually just made out of data himself. So oh, wouldn't that be nice? For, I could sleep. For a video, like, <laughs> um, I could but just also, sleep all the time. Right? That would be amazing. Um, <laughs> but also, other people may notice, and are for our audio listeners, you're not going to hear Mark today. Mark yes. is not here. Um, I told him last episode, Jonathan, you remember this pre-show talk, that my goal last episode was to get Mark to quit um, by the end of the episode. And while he didn't actually quit IGN... Um, He's not and here. He'll probably, and he'll probably... He might be back next week. We'll see. <laughs> um, He's not here, so... I'm taking that as a personal victory. Sure. Um, but I love Mark. Mark's great. I just like to give him as much crap as possible. So it's great that he just happened to not be able to make it this week. I, re- I really love the idea that if, if you had not said that at the end, the idea that the audience would just think you re- you both really hate each other. But when the cameras are on, you just, you know, you, you put on a happy face. But then afterward, you two are at each other's throats constantly. No, it's uh, only when we're playing game. Only when we're playing dodgeball on PlayStation. That's, That's when we're, we're mostly most <laughs> cut uh, cutthroat towards each other. Um, well, yes, no, Mark is not with us this week. Uh, hopefully we'll be back next week, but, uh, not to fear. We'll do a, uh, a classic as they're known in the beyond, uh, annals of history, uh, a fireside chat episode. And what, what more homely place for me to be than in a nicely lit and produced studio for a fireside chat. <laughs> um, no, but we, we, we do actually have a bit of PlayStation stuff to talk about this week. Uh, Sony's year total financials came out. We got, we learned a little bit about, uh, both the year for the PS5 in, in terms of earnings and what they're looking forward to doing in the next year with the PS5 in terms of sales. Uh, we also got a little bit of an idea of how they're going to be supporting their first-party studios, and, and we'll get into some of that as well. But before we do, and before we get into some other news this week, uh, I do want to start off uh, with our our uh, cliffhanger from last week of a trophy test, which was, of course, a Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order order trophy. I can say that word normally, uh, which, uh, of course, for anyone who didn't listen last week, I gave Mark and Jada two options of trophies from Star Wars. I, I love this game so much uh, because it was Star Wars Day last week, uh, and I wanted them to guess the correct one for this week. Now, just as a reminder, the two options were the they were for the trophy uh, for exploring the crashed Venator, Venator, I don't know. Uh, anyway, they were called Visiting Alderaan Places or Searching Mustafar and Why. And so, uh, Mustafar and wide Jada, you have to tell me the correct one and Mark isn't here. So you get a free point this week. If you get it right, uh, uh, against him, you already have one. Can you get to two? What is the right answer? What is the correct trophy? Well, for anybody who's played Jedi Fallen Order, the Crash Venator is an area that is completely off the beaten path, which means 
you're visiting Alderaan places if you're trying to finish the the story. You are correct. It is of course uh, searching in Ald- Alderaan places. Uh, I enjoyed my my Mustafar and wide pun, but you are correct. That is the correct answer. That, uh, and Mustafar then there and was, was great. also a viewer who got it correct, and I'm trying to pull up their name before I get it wrong. So please forgive me as I Cyper Rat got it correct on Twitter. Uh, I had to very carefully not like or respond to their tweet so that you or Mark would not see it. But you are correct. That is the, <laughs> the, the correct one. You are now up two points against Mark's none, uh, which feels a little unfair this week, but we'll have another one for next week. We'll see if you can get it then. Or I mean, I'm just, let's, I mean, let's be real. I'm just going to run away with this. Uh, like yeah. this is just, it's just going to be, it's going to be a hundred to zero. We're going to be a hundred to zero. We're you you get trophies in your sleep, I'm pretty sure. So like I I have no doubt you'll win this one. I have actually gotten one or two trophies in my sleep because I play games way too late at night and I fall asleep with the controller in my hands in a vice grip. Sometimes I am still moving the thumbsticks. It is very strange, and I'm sure I've gotten one or two in my sleep. I'd have to go look at the hours that like the timestamp for the trophy unlock, but I'm sure there's at least one or two. I believe it. Uh, and before we move on, I, I do just want to mention to our producer, Red, if you can hear in the air, get a little bit of feedback from y'all if that's uh, an issue just wanted to mention for the recording. But if not, we're going to move on ahead. Um, uh, the only things I've done, not in my sleep, but while watching TV, I would like rubber band the controller while playing Smash Bros. Uh, Melee on the mm-hmm. GameCube so that I would just keep falling off the stage so that I could complete like 900 uh, matches or whatever to be able to get Mewtwo. That, that's the only mm-hmm. like not really playing kind of thing I've done. Um, I think I think a lot of us did that back in the day because, you know, school was in the way yes. for our gaming. And so there was just not enough time to <laughs> unlock everything like on your own time. If you wanted to play as that character, sometimes you just had to kind of cheese it. Yeah. There was a lot of like I remember back in like the Sega Genesis days, there was like turbo controllers and like I would set turbo for various things. Like obviously you didn't leave the Sega Genesis. I mean, you could leave Sega Genesis <laughs> on, but there wasn't like unlockables and stuff yeah. for that type of things. But um i want to say I wanna, i'm trying to remember what the most recent console that had like turbo controllers that actually made sense i think the ps3 had Ooh, them yeah there probably was because there there was still a very br- like last gen which you, you know obviously is still what a lot of people use for for ps4 and xbox one there were a lot of third-party controllers i think to a certain extent but the dualshock mm-hmm. 4 was kind of the the gold standard for a lot of people and most people's i think third-party controllers would be the kind of higher end ones you could get um mm-hmm. so yeah i don't think we were getting as many goofy like mad cats controllers last gen that i can remember i gotta um, say i'm very happy about that like <laughs> yeah it's like i get it it's great for people who are more on a budget with their gaming and stuff like that and like you know more versatility in the marketplace is great more things to buy um but from my retail background having to like have all these mar- merchandise all that stuff like that so like i think it's a bonus for anybody who's out there currently having to sell that stuff in retail yeah. like it's not fun when you have like 18 different controllers and you're just like somebody asks which one should i get I'm like you should get the main brand one that's made by <laughs> sony because it's the best one yeah okay but i'm gonna get this one all right cool sure thanks yeah. for Thanks for hearing me. Glad, glad my opinion <laughs> helped. No, I mean, yeah, you, those were also often much cheaper, as you were saying, but the buttons mm-hmm. just never were as good. No, they um, just don't. They just did not click right. 
Yeah. What does click right are the DualSense controllers. Those buttons I really like. And hopefully more people will be able to get DualSense controllers with PlayStation 5s in the next year. Man, what a segue. Yes, we're talking about the PlayStation 5s uh, year in review in terms of when it comes to earnings, but also the year ahead. Uh, for those who don't know, this will be a little bit businessy, but I promise there's there's good news here because the, the short version is it may be a lot easier, hopefully, to get a PS5 in the next year, uh, which obviously continues to be a struggle for a lot of people. So in the the recent Sony earnings that came out this past week, uh, Sony confirmed there have been 19.3 million PS5s sold so far, uh, 11.5 million of those being in the last fiscal year. And, and for those who don't know, fiscal years are not uh, identical to a calendar year. Uh, for Sony's, it's off by like a quarter. So their fiscal year ends at the end of March. Uh, so this is, you know, from April 2021 to March 2022. Um, anyway, they they had forecasted higher than that uh, originally and then had to bump that forecast down. So they missed that original projection by 3.3 million PlayStation 5. So they didn't sell as many as they wanted to. They fell short of those projections, which obviously is not great for shareholders, causes problems with the stock and all these things. And and, and that's less of the focus for us because they, they still made a lot of money this year. They still did very well, but they did not nearly get to the number of PS5s they wanted to. Of course, the supply chain issues, uh, chip and, and part shortages are to blame here. But the, the good news is, apparently, Sony expects to sell between April 2022 and March 2023 another 18 million PS5s. So within the next fiscal year, they're expecting to be able to double the number of PS5 players out there worldwide, uh, which is no small feat. Obviously, we're talking about, you know, a little bit over a year at this point, a year and a half-ish of, of the console being available. So being able to potentially double that, and we'll, we'll talk about some of the reasoning why, would be amazing. And, and Jade, I, I imagine imagine for you, it's a similar feeling, especially, you know, having had a retail background that that I don't. When people come in wanting a thing and it's sold out, it can be very crushing. And obviously, we have seen yeah. the crushed spirits of so many people wanting to get PS5. So if they're able to get this many out there that quickly, that's a really good thing for the audience. Yeah, I really hope it's not just lip service. I really hope that this isn't like one of those, like they set the goal last year at what? It was like 15 million or something like that. And they ended up getting 11.5. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm really hoping they're not saying 18 million this year and then they only hit 12 million. You know what I mean? And they and then they consider it still a success because they did sell more than last than this year. Yeah. Um, or the last fiscal year. Like, yes, that is still great. That would still like 12 million sold is still going to be a great number. But I yeah. really hope that they're not doing themselves a disservice by like overhyping the guests or their consumers. Um, but I, I, I actually, I hope so. I still, my little brother is still looking for a PS5. I've tried helping him and I've, I have a hard time still snatching one sometimes for him. Like I'll get to the final stage and it's like, nope, sorry, the item in your cart is gone um, yeah. or out of stock or whatever the message is. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really excited for this. I think it's, I think it could be a good sign that maybe we are starting to get to the end of the chip shortage. Like, obviously it's still going to be a more constrained supply chain, but I think we're getting through the, like the, the brunt of it. Um, Cause I've even seen some graphics cards for like PCs have started to start to normalize out in price, which is good. Yeah, so. no, absolutely. I mean, to your, to your worry, I totally understand it. It's that, that give and take of, I, they, they don't want to, uh, 
put that out there and then have to have it fall off by a huge amount because that leads to all those financial problems. But they do also want to prove that they can sell more. So you're right. It's that weird space of like they probably needed to do a number that was reasonable enough that even mm-hmm. if they slip, they can still sell a decent amount. But yeah, I, I got to imagine at least on paper right now, they seem to think they're able to do this um, and I- exactly how we don't have the specifics of. But uh, Sony CFO Hiroki Totoki during the earnings report has said, quote, uh, there a, this is based on a number of our current visibility into parts procurement, uh, meaning the company is still expecting component shortages to be an issue over the next year. But, quote, in different areas, we have changed our source of procurement. And so for the part procurement, I had to say that word a lot, I think we have a good outlook. So, Sony essentially, I don't know what magic they th- are doing, but apparently they are finding ways to be able to amass the parts that they need. Obviously, I assume spending a lot of money, business deals to get stock that may have been going to other sellers um, and and trying to amass that for them. Uh, but ho- hopefully it works again, Judah. Like I, I don't, I, I think your your fears are, are pretty valid, just in terms of like it could still not work out. The world is still a crazy place for supply and, and technology right now. So I don't know. Curious, was there? Have you seen Morbius? No, I have. I'm, okay, how is I'm just this curious. Tie together? I, I, I'm asking because it's obviously a Sony film, right? Sure. Um, and I was just figuring. I was like, I wonder if there was some product placement thrown in Morbius, like to, to like secure some deals with these other companies for these chip shortages. Like, I I haven't seen Morbius, so I don't know. Sure. But like, I could honestly see like, hey, you scratch our back, we'll put your your electric vehicles in Morbius. I mean, that happens in movies and TV all the time. So I hope Morbius is just one big commercial for for cars and like deodorant brands and stuff like that. I will say that reminds me, one of the funniest ones I think is The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, Mm -hmm. There's, uh, I guess, spoilers for The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, Have you seen it, Jada? I have, I have. Yeah, so there's the plane crash scene at the beginning um, where, mm-hmm. his, where Peter's dad is falling in, in the plane. And the really big important thing is the laptop. He needs to protect the laptop. And it's a Sony Vio laptop. And no yep. matter how much this thing gets thrown around, it is in perfect condition. And it's just one of those like, man, Sony really hoped the Vio would take off. And then I think the Vio brand doesn't exist anymore. Um, I don't think so either. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what deals they've made, but apparently they think they'll be able to meet up to this level. What's interesting, though, is that Sony still thinks that won't even be able to meet the demand. Um, and and so we're in this interesting place. And, and Jade, I'm curious for your thoughts, like overall, um, I, to be fair, if, if people have heard me talk about this, I talked about it a bit on uh, Next Gen Console Watch in the last week or two. But it's interesting that this generation might not be decided by interest, but so much as just literal availability of consoles in terms of what sells more. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's. You know, it's crazy because it used to be like, yes, consoles have always been tough to get at the start of the race every generation. Like, no matter what console, it's always been it's been tough. GameCubes were tough when they dropped. Wii's were extremely tough. PS3's yeah. were really hard to get at the start as well. Um, PS4's weren't too bad. Like, I think PS4 and the Xbox one generation were like the best generation for availability at launch like i don't have the numbers in front of me so i could be wrong (laughs) yeah but um yeah no it's just crazy that this generation that there's so many people it's also like the audience has grown like there's so many streaming is more in the front uh the front ground like everybody wants to stream not everybody but you know what i mean (laughs) um like there's so many more parents that are getting into it. Older people are getting it. The pandemic has like also like ballooned the interest in gaming because it's a great activity that you can do inside that 
keeps you safe, especially for everybody out there who's immunocompromised that, that doesn't want to go out during these times when it's, you know, things are starting to slowly get back to normal. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, I see tons of comments like I'm the community lead for IGN. So like I read comments all the time. And anytime we have an article about restocks for PlayStations or see tweets going out for it um, or any article we do about like shortages or new supplies coming in, people are talking about like not being able to find PlayStations at all still. But, you know, seeing Xboxes on store shelves like and that like that could literally change this generation because the install base just based on availability is potentially seeming like it's going to be more towards xbox this generation yeah. um which yeah, is great at least i'm happy for it's... yeah i mean i'm happy for everybody who picks up an xbox series x and gets to play some of the great games that are on there um and you know i think i, I picked up an xbox series x just like a month or two ago mm-hmm. i got lucky on one of the walmart drops um and it's got some good stuff on there i'm enjoying it so far but um I guess I am still PlayStation, but that's just me. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'm waiting for I'm waiting for Redfall. I picked up my Xbox Series X for Redfall that's mm. dropping later this mm. year, and because that just looked really cool. Yeah. Um, as well as um, what's one of the other big ones I'm looking for? Starfield would probably will probably be cool. I probably um, like it. Yeah. But <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg, he's not here, so you know. I know that needs to tell how much I love Xbox games. <laughs> um, but no, to your but, point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was just gonna say I think like you know it's. It, whatever console i think there are going to be a lot of people who maybe want a playstation who who do want the exclusives but at the end of the day mm-hmm. also want a console they want to be able to keep up with their friends are playing because as, as you were pointing yeah. out especially with the pandemic people not wanting to go out but people also just finding this is a very gaming has become so much more social as more multiplayer and more free to play and more online based stuff has become so much part of the mainstream and the norm and so people may just want to buy the console regardless of what it is because it means they get the flashier newer better running thing and it might just be a matter of availability yeah Um, i mean yeah if you look at it you know from our time growing up jonathan like you know we're similar in age like um, 72 yes Yes, totally. Yeah, I, well, I was born in 67. There you go. So, you know, I'm only yeah. five years older. Um, <laughs> uh, gaming was never like kind of front and center when it comes to like social circles or anything like growing up. Like it was always kind of like, like, oh, you play games, whatever. Like now it's like, oh, you play games. I play games, too. Like, what do you play? Like, it's really the the whole mindset of society has really changed around it. And so like that's also, you know, that's just it's increasing and as us getting older like we grew up loving games so those of us in our age brackets that are having kids and or whatnot or have younger siblings that are getting into games now like it's a lot easier for them to get into it and so like and we're we're much more proponents than our parents probably were for sure like i don't know about your parents but no no i I totally go i mean especially at our age our grandkids are getting into them as well and it's just a a really great opportunity for the for the next next generation um no yeah i i grew up in a pretty fortunate household where my mom was the reason i played video games like she had the consoles brought everything in but i was the rare case like all of my other friends none of their parents played games they they maybe had older siblings who played a few games but yeah it was very rare that i would meet friends who also played video games to the extent that i didn't enjoy them that i didn't that's just not like the social stigma anymore it's it's moved so beyond it and so i'd like to that point the demand is there and that's why sony is like the we can't meet the demand even with this increase in production which is so interesting for me because it is like I, if this wasn't a concern, I'd, I'd be so curious to see what the state of next 
next gen, even though we're in it for over a year, would be. Um, and and we'll talk about you know this the state of cross gen games and all of that in a little bit. But I I do think it's really interesting that Sony is kind of openly being like, yeah, people just want this thing, and it's very clear. Like as you were saying, it's still hard to get a PS5. Like when they go on sale, they instantly sold out. So it's not a matter of the PS5, you know, being a bad system or not being of interest. It's a great system, and there's a ton of interest, but there's just so much interest and just not an ability to meet that interest level yet, which is it's strange to be it. But um, at least on sort of an upside look, I, I do want to preface this as like, don't expect to tomorrow, you know, be able to run out to get a PS5. Yeah. Them forecasting this is very much over the next year. We're probably going to see the fruits of this bear out a little more toward the holiday season. They're probably going to yeah. really let the stock uh, exist then if possible, though, they'll obviously try to get as much out of it as they can throughout the, the next coming months. Um, but in a, a sign of, of good news, uh, in the last month, I believe in April, the PS5 had its uh, best month of the year in the UK last month and was the number one platform ahead of the Switch. Uh, so it was selling very well in, in so it, you know, it's selling out everywhere, but it was selling enough in the UK to be able to be the number one console that month, which is great, which which I do think shows some signs of life of getting the stock out there. But I don't know, selfishly, Jada, for me too, I just want people to be able to get the things so some of the games yeah. we talk about, everyone can understand and enjoy them because it's so much fun stuff to be able to jump into. Yeah, I just want lobbies to be always full with everybody, <laughs> you know. Can you imagine how many players might have picked up and played Babylon's Fall if there was more PS5s out there? At least two more. Yeah, probably two. <laughs> um, yeah, that the there is a, for those who don't know, there was a great interview. I think it was uh, Kotaku ran it with the one player on Steam who is still playing Babylon's Fall. Uh, it's, a, it's a whole other story we could get into yes. for a long time. But uh, yeah, that, that is an interesting one. But suffice to say, it is possible that you'll be able to get a PS5 more likely in the next year. You know, I'm hopeful for everyone out there in the audience, you are able to get one. Um, I know people have written it with some stories of them succeeding on getting one. Uh, I'm curious to hear from people, uh, you know, write into beyond.ign.com or tweet at us. Let us know like what your experiences have been. Like if you're trying every week, if you got lucky on like a random, you know, restock via Wario 64 on Amazon for 30 seconds on a Thursday afternoon. I'm so curious to hear what it's been like for people, especially in the last like six months or so. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. But also looking ahead to the next year, not just uh, not just a bet on more consoles being out there, but PlayStation is also putting a bigger emphasis on its first party studios. Surprise, surprise. Um, and one thing specifically in the earnings report that they said they're doing is that they are specifically uh, going to be putting three hundred million more dollars into their first party games. So, you know, they're talking about existing studios. This is not money for acquisitions. This is the existing teams like Naughty Dog and Bend and Media Molecule and, and all those teams uh, putting hundreds of millions more into the productions that they're already doing. Um, so this is meant to be a, a sign of faith in the studios that they're working with to be able to develop more and and, and continue to raise that bar that, that PlayStation First Party is known for. They're also, uh, in the statement, they said they're aiming for multiple platforms from their first party studios. And Jada, I, I did want to start with this just because I think I saw a lot of speculation about what this could mean. I think this just means PC. I don't think this is like a smoking gun of, oh, everything's going to be cross-gen mm -hmm. for the next five years. This is just they want to get more on PC. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's more on I think it's more on PC. I think it's more experimental projects with uh, for PSVR um, because that is technically like although it's a PS5 platform, it's still VR is still kind of its own platform Very to true. a degree. Yeah, um, and that requires you know financially investments for the for these studios. Like there's a like you take a studio like 
uh, Gorilla, and you know that's doing Call of the Horizon. Like that's the name of the game, right? I'm pretty uh, sure. Call um, of the Mountain. Call of the Mountain. Horizon Call of the Mountain. Yes. Horizon Call of the Mountain. There you go. Um, I knew I had it. I knew it was close. Is that close? Call of the Horizon um, is it flows better though. So I'm gonna call it that from now on. Right. I think yeah. so. Um, I, I'm available for for uh, hire for naming things. Uh, so Shu, if you could tell Gorilla, that would be amazing. I would Official love that. Namer is the yeah, role. I think. Just, yeah. That's just. I just want to be in the credits. I name things. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I can't imagine that the the studio like for the first Horizon one and two were experts in PSVR stuff, like in creating games of VR. So that takes. And, and there might be like I'm not gonna you know downplay anybody at the studio that's doing that. There probably are people who have messed around with it, but there are people who are specialists and make VR games regularly. And so, like for something such a flagship title for PSVR two, um, they're gonna want to be hiring and spend investing money in the right people and the right technologies and everything for that type of stuff. So I think it's PC, but I also think it's PSVR two. Yeah, um, is my guess. No, that's a good call. I mean, even a game like that, Call of the Mountain, is, you know, a collaboration between them and Fire Sprite, which does have more VR advancement. Yep. But yeah, to be able to shore up the Gorilla team, so also make sure the team that was, what whatever sector of the Gorilla team was working on that was, you know, not taking away too much time and resource from uh, Forbidden West. I think they also have another team working on an unannounced game there from like job listings and things we know about. So th there's a lot, there are multiple projects going on at a lot of studios. And you're totally right. I do think it, it's a weird technical thing but i think like on on the books vr would be counted as a as a separate platform um but yeah then you even just look at you know the teams they acquired in the last year returnal marked a big jump for uh house mark and i don't think they're going back they're not gonna you know suddenly be doing the tiniest games ever they might jump into some small projects but i think like that was a sign they want to continue to evolve blue point has openly talked about wanting to continue to grow their projects as they've gone on you know they started from very small team to even a decently sized team with demon souls and i think are growing from there so you have new studios like that you have multiple team projects going on at gorilla and, and i think santa monica naughty dog like there's so much going on at these studios they they need that support and playstation uh, i am curious to because sort of one of the quotes came up again from from the earnings report of Sony's mantra of like not wanting to put first party games on a service like PS Plus day one mm -hmm. because they think the money that they make from those sales is what is essential to being able to fund the studios that they do at this level. Um, I'm curious if you think like I, I know Sean Layden, you know, former PlayStation head talked about it in, in some interviews after his time there of like the worrying of ballooning costs of projects does like is there any fear for you of like scope and scale causing issues with having to put so much into a single project or do you do you see it as like a chance for these just excellent studios to continue to push themselves and raise the bar and, and level themselves up i mean scope creep is a very very real thing in game development like yeah uh, for anybody who doesn't know what scope creep is it's basically as a game is being developed and designed in the uh the initial phases and it starts moving to the early stages of development they want to keep adding more and more to the game and so the scope increases of what the game is actually going to be and sometimes and that kind of you know some of those things get cut some of those things are like we can't cut this now because it's integral to the story or integral to the gameplay mechanic and so that's you know extends game development time it you know it adds potential crunch factors that could come into the later stages of development um i think i think sony is smart with this like i would love to get playstation games day one and date 
on with the PS Plus premium and stuff like that. That would be amazing. Sure. But at the end of the day, I also don't mind spending extra money every, what, two to three months, usually for PlayStation exclusives um, to support the developers in furthering that vision that they're trying to do. Um, Obviously, I'm a little bit more um in a spot of privilege like i have a good job i have you know i have good financials and stuff like that and we get free codes at work sometimes so some games i don't even have to purchase on my own but um i totally and i totally understand the flip side of it where people are like like seeing this like they they want it in there we're paying for the service we want to get it so i understand both sides of it um i'm just kind of i'm kind of neutral in it i guess to is was my standpoint on it but um no i hope we see just this what this this money that they're investing in stuff to keep these um, games looking and increasing in their scale and quality. Yeah, um, no, I, I totally get where you're coming from. It's an interesting thing where because I think like at the end of the day, right or wrong, they're 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 saying that because at the for them the financials they get the earnings they get from selling those games is a very clear win for them on the books and shifting to mm-hmm. this model completely they don't know what it's going to look like. And I don't know if they want to take that risk, even if it worked out, even if the subscription numbers went crazy day one and everyone was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to just subscribe permanently from now on. You got me. Like they they don't know. And so them weighing that risk, you know, right or wrong for the player is, mm-hmm. is I think they're looking at it as like the money works out that we're going to continue going this way. And we'll we'll see what it's like for them if the PlayStation Plus membership at a higher price, but without that still sells for them, if uh, membership numbers dip, uh, I think they did dip in this past quarter a little bit already. Um, some of the, you know, the pandemic easing of things. But I think it's going to be very interesting to see because it is just a, they're staying by the tried and true strategy that they have worked through for the last four generations. And Xbox is doing a very different strategy that so far we know is paying off, but we don't know sort of the like, you know, five or six or 10 year tail of it because once you yeah. w- once you open the seal of that it is hard to go back like if i don't yeah. think xbox ever will but it would be very hard to be like actually we're going to charge you now again for these because that would that would anger everyone and so i think playstation doesn't mm-hmm. want to have to hit that button until they feel like they have to hit that button and they just don't right now according to you know the money measuring i guess yeah no 100 percent. that was literally the last thought that popped in my head as you thought that was like oh yeah that's the other thing i wanted to say um so yeah <laughs> spot on um yeah no it's it's you can't put a genie back in the bottle once you let it out i guess um even though genies go back in their lamps i don't know where that you know that metaphor comes from but um it probably isn't even a real metaphor i name things i don't come up with metaphors um <laughs> the the only words of a genie i live by are christina aguilera so that's pretty much all i know when it comes to genies um, oh you know she was a genie in a bottle there we go that's where yeah. i got it from that's where genies are everyone knows that's the historical origin of genie lore yeah. um but no it is a very interesting uh time to see that continue on because yeah we are getting to this point where um you know, PlayStation has increased the price of their first party games as well for this generation to $70. Uh, we're seeing one more cross-gen game with God of War Ragnarok. And then after that, it's a total mystery. I don't like just a, you know, it's a total wild guess. But for you, Jada, do you think they're going to do any more cross-gen stuff at this point? Or do you feel like, especially with their hopes of putting so many more PS5s out there, do you think they're, we're pretty much at the end of the PS4, PS5 cross-gen release cycle? I think they might be kind of waiting to see how these more third-party studios kind of start to 
make the move as well. Like they're, I think that's why they're being tight lipped on it. I feel, feel like they have an idea in their mind. They're probably leaning towards next gen only, but they're waiting to see other games that have to come out before they have to basically make that announcement perform um because based on how those kind of perform whether it's you know sales wise or just uh you know community um for you know outrage or like that that sentiment the community sentiment of these games you know i think that can really alter how it goes um obviously some of these games are already in development um that we don't know about um or ones that we do know about we know spider-man 2 we know wolverine are both in development they're hiring people getting to work on it. Um, I think they kind of have an idea of what they're going to do with those types of games. And the same for uh, whatever Naughty Dog is doing next. Yeah. Um, I think like, both Insomniac games were next gen only. I know Wolverine is for sure, but I think Wolverine Spider-Man is, too. Yeah. yeah. Let me I check. can't remember if it's Spider-Man too, but yeah, um, I don't think they want to announce it yet. Um, I think they, they want to save that announcement for when they can already win the audience over with yeah. how amazing the game looks and potentially appears to play. Um, so I think we'll, you know, see how they, how they kind of adjust in that. They're, they're going to hold that one until they absolutely have to push that button. For sure. Yeah. So it, it looks like, yeah, it, it was totally blanking, but Spider-Man two was also confirmed for PS five. So it's like the presumption I think going forward is that there won't be any, but yeah, they haven't commented on it. They haven't said specifically. It's one of those things where, there's 117 million PS4 owners, but they very much want the PS5 owners to be the people buying the games too, because it's more expensive, because that's the new ecosystem. And even with just, I don't know, for, for me, maybe for you, it, it might feel different. I feel like this generation is going to go on for a while, even with a half step maybe in there at some point, but just the fact that they can't get these systems to people for so long and devs are just starting to really dig into doing next-gen stuff fully, I, I think we're going to be in for a relatively long, at least like, eight-year cycle you're saying eight-year cycle probably eight yeah do, what did it sound like okay. a different number i'll take the other number I thought, you said, like I thought you said a year i was making sure you said eight or a year a, 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 yes i said both you said both <laughs> <laughs> um no i yeah i for me i think we're in for a long one but well, what do you think just like think kind so. of where we're at right now yeah i mean i think i think you know i think that's also part of the reason why they're saying that hey we're going to double ps5s in this coming fiscal year because they're looking to move to specifically ps5 so i think we're going to move sooner than we think yeah. um, but i think there are still going to be maybe one or two more after uh god of war that will be cross-gen um is my prediction as of right now yeah it, it could totally be possible i think something like i wouldn't be shocked if there's a version of the last of us factions multiplayer that got released for ps4 uh mm -hmm. unless that's tied to the remake because i would assume the remake is ps5 only but who knows at this point hopefully we'll find out soon hopefully the summer showcase we predicted to be the greatest showcase ever will happen soon um <laughs> but before we move on just wanted to also mention for those hoping there was acquisition news during all of these sony earnings there was not they talked about the the bungie deal and expecting that to close by i think quarter three uh in in the coming year so they're hoping for that to close you know w within the next i think six to eight months i guess that is um and then they also touted haven as a really big acquisition as well here so um you know sony itself I think it was about a year or two ago, set aside a lot of money for acquisitions for the company overall. And I know there is still a, a decent chunk of money left in that sort of planned pot. So 
we know PlayStation has said there's going to be more acquisitions. The, you know, this is not the end of it all. But for those hoping, oh, yeah, and with the Sony earnings call, they were going to reveal Square Enix is also now Sony. It just didn't happen. I'm sorry if that was your hope. When other things happen, probably as deals start to be more finalized and closed that are already existing, we'll get more news. But, um, you know, I think maybe we just shouldn't believe every single rumor on the Internet every week. Maybe. <laughs> I believe all of them all the time everywhere it's the way to live if you believe them all you're always disappointed and then uh you're never happy i don't know where i was going with that you anyway. have nowhere else to you have nowhere nowhere lower to go you only have up to go after that that's true uh i just put hopes into rumors i make up myself in my brain <laughs> uh anyway moving on from there uh, in terms of the interesting cross-gen divide the other big news topic i want to talk about this week just very briefly is uh one we saw Gotham Knights gameplay. We haven't really heard from that game in quite a while. We know it's set for an October release this year. Uh, and in terms of the the divide between last gen and and new gen, this is a really interesting one because they they have been promising this one as as both generations. Uh, with this announcement, with like with this uh, 13 minute gameplay demo uh, of Red Hood and Nightwing, they also confirmed it's only coming to PS5 and Xbox Series X. So there will be no longer a last gen version. Um, which one is a really just interesting choice to me. Like we can talk about the technical side of it, but I, it's, they must assume it's going to sell well enough on the new consoles that the, the amount it would have sold on the last gen wouldn't have cost them too much terribly, I guess. Um, or, or they were just worried about another sort of like cyberpunk scenario where the game just wouldn't be running well. Um, did this surprise you at all though, to see Jenna? Um, you know, uh, yes, because I feel like, okay, what, what's the, what do you think is like the average, like attach rate for like a third party game? Probably like something like this. This would probably be probably what, maybe a 10 to 15% attach rate based on like total console sold. I was going like, to go for like 90, but yeah, probably somewhere in between those two. Um, I would say like, yeah. I'd say this is probably like a 10 to 15% of the, the whole audience that's buying it. Maybe higher. It could be a lot higher. It's, yeah. it's got the Batman license behind it. So Batman games probably... You know, the Arkham series sold really well. So that was probably closer to like a 30, 40% attachment rate. I don't know. I'm making up numbers here. <laughs> but my my point is, I make things up, guys. Um, my point here is, even if, you know, this say that PS5, this game had a, you know, 50% attach rate for everybody who owns a PS5 or Xbox Series X buys this game, like that is still like, that's that's kind of that's that's really killing your sales numbers for compared to like how many people have PS4s and Xbox Ones in the households right now. So like, I th- I'm really hoping it's a they're following the cyberpunk route and just like are not following, but they're learning from the cyberpunk route and like yeah. they don't want to put, put push out two versions where the PS5 and Xbox Series X versions are the way you need to play it if you want to enjoy it on consoles because the PS4 version and Xbox One version just are not going to be good <laughs> like yeah. day one um, they, they functionally pass enough to be sold on the market but to any player it's like a whoa what did i did not buy this game so yeah i i totally agree with you it, it feels like a lesson learned from there and this is you know from the gameplay at least and from what we know of it a pretty big open world gotham uh multiple different characters a lot of interior spaces as well as the city itself um and so if they were having issues with getting it to run pretty stably on those systems as it it's a bummer for that audience because there are so many people who could probably only play it there but i get that they also don't want to sell them a bad version of the game and 
that's a good thing in the long run. Yeah, 100% agree. How did you feel about the gameplay demo? So I'm I'm really hopeful for this one. I don't think the gameplay sold me anymore. <laughs> um, it, it kind of just made me go, well, I, I sort of want to see what playing the game for an hour is like because seeing this, this demo was weirdly scattered to me um mm-hmm. where it would like it both wanted to show off these two heroes but i don't think it showed off red hood particularly well for anyone who's watching the video we have red hood up red hood didn't look that fun to play as <laughs> not like yeah of the two nightwing was like oh i'm obviously going to play as nightwing um but I, yeah it felt like a weirdly stilted demo just in terms of what was being shown off and so i think like for anyone on the fence i would be shocked if this sold them i think for me i'm I'm cautiously optimistic because even though Origins gets a pretty bad rap, I do think it did a lot of things very well um, mm. in terms of storytelling and uh, like authenticity to that world and character building and stuff in there. I do think that was really great. It just had like open world itis to the nth degree. Yeah. And then just the uh, who is it? It's Red Hood, right? Who walks like this I, tank? I think that's I think that was Nightwing who was walking that, but it might have been Nightwing? Red Hood. Okay. I can't tell. You um, might be right. No, I think it's Nightwing. And I was really bothered about Nightwing's posture when he walked because his head is yeah, like it's, really it's, down. It's, he's so hunched. It's yeah. like, I was like, who? I, I don't know what that hunch animation is. I'm hoping it's just kind of like placeholder-y I, still. I um, was really confused. Yeah, so it is definitely Nightwing. I was like, man, they need a chiropractor in the Belfry because this is... <laughs> like, I know their work is tough and they're they're getting hurt a lot, but my God, is I, that would be actually very impressive if there is character change in the way they stand based on their injuries. I don't think that's in the game, but that would be very cool. Um, yeah, that needs to be... Maybe, that, maybe that's the that's one of the costs of being a vigilante that we just <laughs> never... We've never examined. There, there's your next uh, feature piece, Jonathan, for you to write. Like, we did what it, What is the yes. cost... <laughs> Lucy isn't around. Um, Don't assign me things. But anyway, what did, what did you think of the demo? And then we can talk about the cross gen stuff a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, I think it looked okay at best. Um, like the one thing that I would say, I'm also cautiously optimistic because I love the idea of a co op Batman game. Yeah. Um, without Batman, but whatever. Um, the big thing for me is I always want to like really emphasize is that this is a vertical slice of the game. This also, this vertical slice was probably made two, three months ago, maybe sure. longer than yeah. that. And they recorded the demo footage and got it prepped and ready for marketing and stuff like that. It takes time. So like the game today or yesterday when it, this trailer aired is different from what this vertical slice is like. Totally. Not like yeah. leaps and miles different, but there are definitely improvements. Um, I feel like it could have used a little bit better editing um, or chosen a lot of a few different elements to show off because they had the one scene where you're fighting those first Court of Owl people and then they revive. Spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen the trailer, <laughs> whatever. Um, but then they show this, uh, they show this like uh, souped up, more stronger enemy, and Nightwing beats him up and then he revives again. And I'm just like, and then we just get we get like five minutes of this one fight, like five minutes of this like 13 minute demo, maybe not that long, but still it felt like five minutes of the demo yeah. was spent on fighting this one guy. And I was like, I would have loved to have seen more gadgets. I would have loved to have seen like there's a bunch of UI elements on the screen. Like don't either don't show that UI stuff or showcase how that UI or stuff comes it. into play yeah. or explain it like. So like that was that's the big thing for me is I think I feel like it could have just used a, a better editing, could have shown different things for it. The pacing was a little off. It was definitely scattered, like you said. Um cautiously optimistic, but you know, it's very low on the purchase list for me after that gameplay demo. 
I totally understand. Yeah. And, and I think to your point, it's a very, very salient one of like the, you know, the way things are in development, the way vertical slices work, uh, like this feels almost even in the editing to a certain extent of like what we would have played at an E3 or what like at a judges mm-hmm. week for E3 would have been played or, or, or things like that. And I, I wish we knew of a few people's more, more hands-on impressions of it at that point, because I do think like, I could see it be fun if the the combos are fun to pull off, if it's interesting to be able to, you know, chain stuff together as either character. But yeah, there there was just a bit of like, I, I will be totally frank once it got to the Court of Owls stuff, even though I'm so excited for that on a story level, I kind of like skipped through because <laughs> I was kind of like, okay, yeah. where, where's the next big beat of it? And yeah, I, it felt like it, it showed a lot, but it also didn't, I, I think to your point of like, um, yeah. You know, th- there was a line even of this is the UI I'm comfortable playing with was what the voiceover was saying, but you can change it to be lesser or different to that. But it didn't say mm-hmm. what was good about the UI on screen at that point. And I wish it did. Um, yeah, like, yeah. And I mean, like, and you see them like set up like combos and stuff like that. And it's like, but it was like, OK, I'm going to hold this guy for like 30 seconds and then you kind of come in for the combo. Like it felt like it was very like um, very just like orchestrated, yeah. but not orchestrated well to like to make it look good good and fun like i'm totally fine with like really cheesing up the game and like hey this is the type of combo move you can do like and stuff like that but like if you don't make it look fun or look make it look cool you kind of miss the whole point and then it just looks awkward the whole time yeah um that your weight that you're just sitting there holding an, an npc waiting for your ally to come and hit them so yeah it it definitely yeah it wasn't the showing that i had hoped for because this is one that i'm i'm really holding out hope for because i do think that team does know batman well like i do think they have a clear love yeah. for the for the source material sure. there and what what is funny i think for me too is even the other two characters i know they've shown uh Batgirl before i like those are the ones i kind of want to play more as though um yeah th- than these two i like nightwing i know some people were upset by like the red hood's mystical powers and and nightwing's yeah. basically like Fortnite glider like whatever you know, they need to figure out ways to make everyone have some good traversal. I'll allow that. Like it's, it's a superhero world. Things are made up. It's fine. But uh, yeah, I mm-hmm. think for me, you're speaking exactly to the point of just like, a- as a like showcase manicured segment, it could have been manicured a bit more, I think. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm still hopeful. I, you know, I really do hope there's some sort of demo we get at some point. I do feel like this is a game perfect for, hey, play, you know, two or three missions with a friend for free co-op and then pre-order the game or something like that. Like this feels yep. maybe with the new PS Plus, we'll be able to play the first two hours. The trials. There we go. Exactly. This is, it. This is a We're great game for the here. trials. But yeah, I, I'm hopeful. It is the one weirdly of the two between this and Suicide Squad that I want to play more just because I I like a dark, moody Gotham more than I guess like an open world, bright kind of city. Like the metropolis of Suicide Squad seems kind of boring to me. And see, that's where we're on the opposite ends of the spectrum here. There like, I'm super excited to play as King Shark and go around gnawing on people's faces. King Shark um, will be fun. Yeah, it's going to be great. Like, and the more bright and colorful splashes that I can cover with the blood of my enemies as King Shark, even better. Perfect. I'm I'm learning a lot today. Uh, but yeah, it hopefully we'll see more. Definitely curious to hear uh, people's thoughts of the gameplay demo as well. Um, again, hopeful we're, you know, five months out. So we'll we'll probably see more as, as the months go along. But at the very least, we know it will only be available when it hits in October on PS5 for PlayStation players out there. So hopefully more of you will have PlayStations by then if you're looking forward to this one. Um, moving on from there, I'm making sure I got through all of that. I think that's all the big news for the week that I wanted to talk about uh, before 
before we move on to just end of show stuff, Jada, anything you were playing that you want to shout out before we move on or a bit of a uh, jump? Yeah. I mean, I jumped back into world ends with you, uh, really enjoying that. The Neo world ends with you, not the original DS game, which was fantastic. The new one is yeah. still really great too. Um, playing that working my way through the end of second week right now uh apex legends new season dropped yesterday uh the savior season new legend newcastle he is dope uh he's got unique like animations for his uh for another character in the in the cast of legends that is a sibling so it's really cool that they have that we got world ends with you up on their screen but yeah i'm really loving that one that the rpg has been calling to me and just really enjoying uh that and i'm still playing at level one for world ends with you right yeah you're doing I'm that like crazy run yeah mm-hmm. i'm at level one out of 67 or eight now almost Man. got to that 69 almost there nice uh, i was really trying to get there before this episode but uh, <laughs> the, the scaling the scaling it takes so much experience to level up now um especially since the enemies are so low level <laughs> like, i'm level one but these enemies are probably like level 30 to 40 for where i'm at like oh, okay. if i was playing at my max level i would be two-shotting most of the enemies in most fights it's ridiculous yeah. how strong i am um <laughs> even with level one um but the, that's the thing i love about world ends with you is like the food system you can beef up your stats without leveling up you just go eat a bunch of food go fight yeah. a bunch of battles eat a bunch of food fight a bunch of enemies like it's just it's a good it's a good gameplay loop for me yeah. um because i get to see my my characters eat a bunch of food that I want to eat. Um, <laughs> it's a cool one. And it's, it's one I wish that uh, I, I know this, we talked about it a lot with the square studios being sold last week, but mm -hmm. uh, this is another one that I think underperformed on a sales record. And yeah. I feel like that is just the plight of the world ends with you franchise. I love it. I think it's, it's so stylish. The music's amazing. Um, mm -hmm. it, it can be, I guess a little repetitive to an extent, but I do think it's such a cool world and uh system and ideas and yeah i i hope it's not the end but i feel like it's going to be another one of those you know, six years from now they'll try a third and surprise it won't work but we'll yeah. still enjoy it and we'll get it it'll be like a switch exclusive or something Probably. like that like it'll go somewhere exclusively for on a smaller console at, um I mean, at that I don't point know, it's not smaller but you know <laughs> what i mean like it's a different console like that's not i don't know it started on nintendo so i'm figuring it would go back to nintendo's what i'm the point i'm for basically sure. making not I was trying say, to lesser nintendo because switch sells like hotcakes i it's, have two so yeah. like there you go uh i um i was gonna say it's probably going to be a metaverse game six years from now oh so, there yeah. you go yeah you know. there you go yeah totally you can be neku um that my dream totally, you, your dream uh question for you on on apex because i yeah. i that was always a game that was in the ign office when we were all in the office that people would play mm -hmm. all the time um i i would dip in occasionally but i'm just like not the greatest first person shooter fan or player um who who could have guessed that uh but obviously i talk about fortnite and, and my love of that battle pass and stuff i always do enjoy the loop of apex and i jump back in at like a season or two ago for a week or so is do you think jumping in at the beginning of a season is the best starting point does it really is apex kind of a game where it doesn't matter when you jump back in um can i just go yeah. in whenever <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can join the season whenever. Um, I always recommend trying jumping in whenever there's like a limited time mode because gotcha. that gives you the most like kind of variety in the different types of gameplay you can get. Like they added last season, they added a new mode called Control, which is basically a uh, asymmetric like um, well, it's not asymmetric, but it's basically uh, like domination where you have to hold multiple capture points and till you build up enough score to win the match okay. and if you capture all three points and hold it for a certain amount of time you win automatically um but that's 9v9 
which oh, is wow. it's very different than uh you know the traditional battle royale formula so like for people who don't like battle royales then control is in there it's a great time to play because you can play sadly you still can't group up with more than three people in your friend group you can't hmm. build like a team of nine in a party and then all jump in unless you're doing okay. like custom lobbies on pc i believe um but i'm not even sure about that don't quote me on it <laughs> um, i play on playstation more often than i play on my pc um but yeah i always recommend doing that start of the season is good because there's a lot of new players that are also joining in at that time so it's a lot the the skill curve is a little yeah. bit uh, more balanced out because you get a lot uh, more inexperienced players that aren't grinding away every day like uh the veterans like myself um do so like the beginning of the season is not a bad time to to join there's really never a bad time but um i always prefer recommending people when there's a limited time mode because there's a lot less stress in those types of modes and you can kind of go in and just have fun with those a little Good bit easier know. Yeah, I, I didn't know that about the modes, but the, the beginning of the season skill curve actually makes sense, and maybe I can get a kill for once. Um, yeah. But yeah. I just changed my entire control scheme. Like, oh. after 12 seasons of one control scheme, I moved my crouch button to my left thumbstick from circle. Okay. And so, like, all my movement is on the left thumbstick, and I've literally spent the last, like, two days... I've probably spent maybe five or six hours just in the firing range. They're like training area, just learning how to walk, move, slide, jump, and do all my normal oh, mechanics again, because I jumped into a match just like blind with it. And I was like, how do I, I'm like <laughs> meleeing when I'm trying to crouch. I'm crouching when I'm trying to melee, trying to pick something up and I'm hitting my, my ally and was like, Oh my God, I look like a noob. Um, Why did so, you change it? Uh, I have so my character Rampart, she uses like a minigun and okay. the button um, where I had on my right stick was like a like a uh, a little ping wheel for like comments and stuff like that. Gotcha. But when I'm aiming with the right stick, sometimes I accidentally click it in. And with her, if you click it in while you're in minigun mode, it takes you out of shooting into like a placement mode where you can set the minigun down and mount it somewhere. Oh. And so like I'd be in the middle of drilling like a team and it, I would accidentally click it and then I'd be like, Oh, you want to set your tu your turret down here in the middle of getting <laughs> shot inside, lose a lot of gunfights. So uh, okay. I adjusted like half my controls just so oh, I wow. can avoid that issue because I've lost so many fights and kills because of that. So Man. it's a relearning thing, but I'm getting a lot better. I'm still picking up like two or three kills now in the matches I do play each day, um, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, well, I have been playing a game very similar to Apex Legends, uh, extremely, extremely close called Unpacking. I was going to say, don't say it. Don't say Fortnite. I mean, I haven't because like. the lightsabers no, are saying, back. And no, those for are sure. Um, but no, I, I started unpacking last night, which just came to PlayStation for those who don't know it. It's mm. a, a very uh, cute, wonderful indie game uh, where you are unpacking. Uh, it is a basically you're going through the years, I guess, of someone's life uh, and the you get to different places where they are living and you are unpacking their boxes as they move in and you're finding the right places to put things. Not everything has an exact space. So there's a little bit of like expression of where you want to put things, where where you feel like it would make sense uh, for someone's room, whether it's like their childhood room or a dorm or, you know, uh, moving in with roommates as they get older. Uh, it's really sweet and just joyful it was really funny i was playing with my girlfriend she just instantly grabbed the controller because she's very good at organizing and i just kind of put things places so <laughs> she t she took the handle on it and i was just watching for a bit but even as just watching it's like it's a really oddly moving experience um mm -hmm. pun intended i guess uh but it it 
what it's strange, what's so strange about it, but what I think works is that you're essentially getting to see someone's life through mm-hmm. the things that they choose to keep with them as they go on. So it's like, you know, you get a sense of who they are as a kid by the first room you unpack, but as you go to their dorm, okay, here are the things they've kept since they've been a child. As, as they get older, here are the things that they are bringing to this new apartment. Here's what it's like to live with a roommate and you only have so many limited places to put things because you can't move the roommate stuff. And yep. it really speaks very well and very accurately to the sense of moving as someone who's moved a lot in their life. Um, and it's it's very sweet. It's it's surprisingly emotional in, in cute ways. I think the game itself, we only played for like an hour. Apparently, it only takes like two hours to beat, so we're probably close to the end uh, at that case. But I really enjoy it. I think it's really adorable. It's just out on PlayStation PlayStation Now if you uh, haven't played it. Not PS Now, but, you know, it's now available. Uh, it's really cute. And if you want something sweet, quick, and apparently a very easy platinum trophy, I recommend it. Have you, uh, have you guys messed around with like the sound design stuff of the game? Because like whatever you pick, every object, depending on where you set it down, makes different sound effects based on where you set it. So you setting something on the toilet makes a different sound than setting it on the bed or setting it on a table. Yeah. It's so cool. Like the sound design in this game is fantastic. If you like have the time to pick it up and just try it out for like five minutes just to mess around with that, like it's just it's ridiculously good for the sound design for people. Anybody out there who's an audiophile, like you'll love the sound design in this game no the attention to detail there is so fantastic i'm glad you brought it up because it it does this really cool thing as well obviously with the dual sense you can hear things through the speaker and you can choose to just have items come through through there so it's like you pick up the piggy bank and you kind of shake it around and it'll, it'll make the noise of, of the coins jingling inside or yeah oh, as you're saying cool. you, put, you put things on on different uh surfaces it'll be different you can obviously mess around also with uh, a few items like there's a rubik's cube that you can click around mm-hmm. you can uh do some other stuff that perhaps relates to a trophy i'll, I'll test you on soon but uh yeah it's really cute i really sweet i i would recommend it if you're looking for something a little slower paced but a, a very very pleasant and and warm in, in a really interesting way and and to the sound design point as well the soundtrack is wonderful as well it's, it's mm-hmm. a really beautiful score um uh you're making me have to play it again because i played it on xbox last year because oh, it was it out was on, on game pass previously yeah. so yeah i was like i was like cool i want to try this but now now hearing that there's sounds coming from the dual sense i'm like i gotta see what this does. <laughs> I, I love the sound design for this game so like now i have to go try it on playstation because i want to see the, how they d- did that with the the dual sense yeah so, it's really cute you, jonathan it- it of course happy to help uh it won a ton of awards as well in the last year it's it's a really well recognized game and it's finally on playstation for so for those out there who might be interested uh in cool indies i definitely recommend it um but with that just to start to get into wrap up uh jada depending on what you want to do i i'm sort of at a loss where we're almost out of time but the psp games we still want to get to do you want to rattle them off really quickly or do you want to take time in the next week or two to talk about them knowing that the list might come out at any point yeah, it's true. It's a good point. Um, but I also do, don't... I'll do some. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. <laughs> I'll do some. I'll do some honorable mentions. Um, is what we'll do. We'll do a couple of those. I got cool. them here. I've got so got the Decidia O12 Duodecim. I'm not nice. sure how you're supposed to pronounce the twelve. Is it O12? Is it twelve? It's Decidia Duodecim. Um, that's you know for those there. There you go. I, whatever, whatever that title it's is. Weird. It's a Final Fantasy. Yeah. Final Fantasy. It's basically if you played the Dissidia fighting game on PS3 last generation, I was going to say last year. It definitely was not last year. Um, <laughs> you'll be kind of familiar with it, but there's a lot more like stuff that goes into this one, more character building and things like that. There's a, an actual 
deeper story. I feel like that was done better in Duodecim than the most recent Dissidia. Um, although that one was pretty good too. But um, and then the other one, of course, another Final Fantasy entry, mm. the Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core. Um, you cannot, you cannot have played a PSP and not played this game. Um, <laughs> it's just fan freaking tastic. Um, great story tells you tells you Zach Fair's story. Um, I actually went to sacramento a couple weeks ago got my psp don't mind the blemishes on the screen uh (laughs) it is a screen protector um and my little brother has had it so um you can see why i requisitioned it from him um (laughs) because (laughs) uh you know that um let's see what else i got in here that's the duo that's um uh lord of arcana it's another square enix rpg i don't remember this one but it's probably good good square enix who knows or terrible yeah and then monster hunter uh freedom unite those are nice. those are my like ones i've kept uh throughout the years um other ones i recommend jean d'arc um great tactics strategy rpg uh tactics ogre again another strategy rpg final fantasy tactics war of the lions another i love tactic games if you guys are getting kind of my drift i love final <laughs> fantasy and i love tactics games and then i love things that square enix makes so um but there's other great ones luminous was a huge hit for the psp that like very um tetris like with awesome soundtrack um and then patapon and um pata 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 pon. Yeah, i was i was doing the dance i was just thinking about it yep i was waiting for you the pon pon pata pata <laughs> but that's cool jonathan i'm happy cool. to help yeah happy to be there oh, well, i didn't want to do it and then do a bad rhythm like the worst thing oh. i could do is be off rhythm mm. for that game so i didn't want to risk it was yeah safe bet safe mm-hmm. bet i'm in a new um, environment there's too many variables with <laughs> the decibels and, and such. stuff like that yeah it'd be yeah. really uh it could be crazy exactly um but yeah, uh, yeah, Patapon was huge like success on the PSP back then. Um, really cool, just rhythm action game. Um, but yeah, highly hope these ones all somehow make their way into our PS Premium service that we're getting in a month now. Yeah, just getting the, close to there. Yeah, I think we are. What is today? The the eleventh. The eleventh. I think we are almost perfectly a month out. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so. Those are my those are the ones I really loved on the PSP. There's a ton of other ones I'm sure that other people will write in. Please share those because um, I want to see those other games because I know there's a lot I missed on the PSP generation. But uh, you know, I was kind of stuck playing hundreds and hundreds of hours into like the six strategy <laughs> RPGs that I played. Um, yeah. So. Oh, and third birthday. Sorry, third birthday was one other one. Uh, Parasite Eve, uh, kind of spinoff, kind of in the same universe. Um, excellent game. They had like a crossover with Final Fantasy as well, hmm. um, where you got like Lightning's costume or outfit or whatnot. So you were playing as Lightning in Third Birthday in Parasite Eve, and you were like possessing other people and shooting like organisms and parasites and stuff. It was really cool. Uh, really cool yes. aspect. I really like that one. So if you like the Parasite Eve series, try Third Birthday for PSP. Awesome. Well, I appreciate those recommendations and hopefully some of them actually make it to the PS Plus list. Uh, and as Jada said, please write in to be on at IGN.com. We have some already in the emails, but uh, we'll try to read some in the next week or two of PSP games you would like to see on the list. And I was worried about how much I was punctuating those P's. So sorry to your ear, but ear, ear, ear. I wanted to say ear holes and that's not right. All the peas. There we go. Um, Anyway, you can also write in to beyond at IGN.com with your memory card stories. And I'm going to read this one uh, quickly before we leave. This one is from Steven who wrote in. And if you want your memory card story read 
on the show, you can write in uh, with your ha- happy, sad, weird, wacky, whatever memories of your PlayStation gaming life, and we'll read them on the show. And I'm just mentioning this one from Steven. Steven wrote in and said, hey, y'all, I love hearing your PlayStation expertise and opinions on the show every week and thought I would share a funny memory card story. When I was about nine years old, my parents were going away on a trip, so I was going to stay with my grandparents who lived two hours away from us. Fortunately, I got to bring my PS1 with me, and even better, my grandpa took me to Blockbuster to rent a game. He wrote Blockbuster Video, which I appreciate because that is the full name. The game I chose was Rampage World Tour. I thought the monsters were so cool and George the Gorilla was my favorite. I was never able to get very far in the game, if only I had an IGN guide back then, but I enjoyed playing it for the couple of days I stayed at Grandma and Grandpa's. The rampage didn't end there, though. The day after I got home to my house, we got a call from my grandpa and I was in trouble. He went to return the game uh, to the local blockbuster and there was no game disc inside the case. It was still in my PlayStation. My dad had to drive all the way back just to return the game disc, and he was not pleased. I got my PlayStation taken away for a week. I felt so bad for making my dad drive that far, and I have never gone back and played Rampage since then. Wondering if you guys have any memories or thoughts on Rampage. Love the show and keep up the great work, Steven. Uh, I have definitely had a issue with Blockbuster back in the day. I definitely held on to games for way too long. Uh, I don't think I ever mistakenly returned an empty case, though. Oh, there's so many empty cases because we would rent like two or three games at a time. And so we would, my parents would be like, hey, we got to go take the games back. And I'm like, all right, there you go. And I would not have realized that one of my younger siblings had put the game back in the system to play it for a little bit when I wasn't playing. And I was like, yeah, it's ready to go. So, yeah, I got in trouble a couple times because uh, <laughs> they had to drive. Thankfully, we weren't driving two hours for it. It was like a 20, 30 minute drive, if that, yeah. um, with traffic and stuff. Um, but Rampage, man. Rampage is one of those games back in the day where it was just like you didn't know what you were doing, really, but you knew you were doing it well sometimes. And then when things went wrong, you didn't really know what went wrong. Um, <laughs> it was a very chaotic experience uh, playing the old school Rampages back then. Um, but yeah, I love that. I, I'm trying to remember. So we had George the Gorilla. Uh, what was the there was the lizard? Um, oh, oh what was his name? Was it like Lenny or something? Lenny sounds remember. right. I'm you're um, you're asking me for rampage uh lore that is a check I cannot cash. <laughs> um let's see. Lizzie. It was Lizzie. I was very close. Lizzie oh, the, the lizard. And then it was Ralph the Wolf. Um which was the only one that just didn't like play with the alliteration. But yeah, you know, I guess they didn't want to do Willie the Wolf. I don't know. Um or Wally Wolf. Um, Wally Wolf would be yeah. good, but it's too Wally silly. Wally Wolf would have been great. Yeah. Um I mean, come on, it was Rampage. It meant to be silly, I think. What? But they also were at that I think at that time they were really trying to be like, this is a serious game about destroying stuff. We're not silly, we're serious. Um well I back in the day for games were weird. Yeah, I played Rampage World Tour. I do remember this game. I do think I rented it from Blockbuster once. It received a 5.6 from IGN, so I don't think one that has been kept sort of in high esteem by maybe by Rampage fans, but not by the general audience. But uh, So maybe, Steven, it's not the worst thing if you've never gone back, but uh, I do appreciate the story. I'm sorry that happened mm-hmm. to you. My my only Blockbuster thing, and, and then we can move on to finish the show, was that I used to uh, put the game that I would want for next week behind a game I didn't think people would want i would put it all the way in the back and my dumb child brain would be like they're never going to move this it's going to be there the whole week all and it would happen like once every six months it would stay otherwise it was always moved because yeah it it never worked out but that was my that was my blockbuster play 
Um, yeah, I, I think we all did that growing up. We tried to hide stuff in retail stores. Like we made retail workers' jobs so much harder because we'd hide stuff in the stores because we're like, okay, this got to be here for when I come back next week when I get my allowance or I yep. get my report card, and I got I know I'm getting straight A's, so I'm gonna have money to spend, so I'm gonna hide this here, and it would not be there because somebody was doing their job and cleaning up after us like they were supposed to. So yeah. I apologize to any retail workers out there that are older than me that may have had to deal with that from our generation. I apologize on all of our behalfs. Yeah, to the, the Blockbuster employees in the early 2000s in Long Beach, New York, I apologize for everything I had you move around that store. Uh, why did I put a copy of 007 Nightfire behind a DVD of Gladiator? I thought Gladiator wouldn't be popular. I don't know. Don't sue me. I don't know if those were even out at the same time. Um, but yeah, that was definitely what I did. And I, I agree. I apologize. It is very funny. I do think it speaks to the idea of like when you're a kid just your worldview is so small that you wouldn't even perceive mm -hmm. of like oh the store changing like i did this so it's got to be fine yeah it's, it's a really interesting phenomenon uh to hear that we weren't alone in doing that but uh steven thank you for your story and again anyone who would like to write in you can write in to beyond at ign.com with the subject line memory card and we'll read them on the show each week uh before we wrap up just a couple things to plug uh as we mentioned last week the top ps5 games list has been updated so go check that out on ign and youtube if you haven't already uh i also put up a bunch of photos i built the lego horizon tall neck set and uh put like a hundred photos on ign so go check it out because it is a very very cool set and hopefully some of you out there have gotten yours as well but if you haven't and want to live vicariously curiously through me slowly piecing it together well you can on ign.com um other than that jada i know you would tease something last week is that thing up yeah. for people to check out it is not live yet but it will be going okay. live this week i can announce what it is going to be because it won't be this won't be aired until after it's live so hopefully <laughs> i think i'm trying to get it up today anyways okay, cool. uh basically we're doing a new thing on ign.com uh called photo mode uh, so this is going to be for anybody who's on IGN.com. Uh, there's going to be themes every week. Um, and we want you to send us in your best screenshots uh, or photo mode pictures from your games. So PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, PC, wherever, send us your best game that fit within the theme. Um, obviously, there will be rules and stuff that will be in the article for it. Um, but we'll be selecting staff favorites as well as uh, user favorites and highlighting those in the following week with the new uh, theme so awesome. uh, something pretty cool and i'm excited to see everybody's artistic license come out and uh showcase it and see who who's got the chops awesome i i love it i love photo modes uh i know a lot of playstation players out there do as well so hopefully uh those out there in the audience will participate uh i, I really really like this initiative and, and think it's awesome that you're doing it jada so yeah excited to see it grow and and, and happen but yeah yeah uh, so definitely go check that out as well. Uh, but for everything else, that pretty much wraps us up for this week. Before we go, of course, I will leave you with a trophy test question uh, for next week. Please tell me which of these is the real trophy you can write into beyond at IGN.com or tweet at me. Uh, I'm at JM Dornbush. It is at Jada underscore Rena. And you can let us know which of these is the real one. But don't tweet at Jada because she has to guess this. Just just tweet at me or email and only I see that. Anyway, please uh, only tweet is, me wrong answers. Yes, do that. Well, no, then you'll know. Then you'll also. No, I mean le legitimately wrong answers that aren't even on the the option list. Just tweet me wrong answers, please. Basically, uh, we want people to pitch more jokes. Um, also, yes. I mean, hell, I'll take audience suggestions for a trophy test. If you have what you think would be a, a, a devious trophy test to to test the panel with, write in to beyond at IGN.com. But for this week, it is an unpacking trophy. Uh, is the correct real trophy in unpacking on guard, 
which is to make the action figure swing his sword, or mm -hmm. strike a pose, make the mannequin dab. Which of those is the real trophy? Let me know uh, either at beyond.ign.com or Jada, you'll let me know next week and we'll, we'll see if you can continue this 2-0 hot streak that you've got going. I've got my answer in my head already. So Perfect. Ready to go. Uh, well, Jada, thank you so much for joining me for, for this very fun episode of Beyond. Uh, and yeah. Thank you to Red, our producer, for making the show happen behind the scenes. It's a lot more work this week uh, as we get into this different hybrid sort of scenario for the show. So huge thank you, Red, to making that all happen and our production team here who, who helped to get the studio up and running for everything. Uh, and thank you, of course, to everyone out there for listening and watching. We hope you're doing well. We hope you're staying safe. And as always, beyond. Beyond. <laughs>